Hey there, Salt World. This is Matt Hunsaker. Today we are going to visit Louisiana for the Jeopardy case. Alex, I will take civil procedure for 400. One of the most bewildering classes for me, and probably for most first-year law students, was civil procedure, or civ pro as we called it. It was all about court jurisdiction, or at least that's what's left in my foggy memory. You know, what sort of contact someone has to have to be dragged into a specific court. Now, little did I know that as a state tax lawyer, this concept of jurisdiction would end up being my bread and butter day in and day out. Well, sort of. Most of the time I'm playing around with the Commerce Clause concept of nexus. And sometimes we get in the trap of forgetting about other constitutional protections. For example, due process. And that is where the Jeopardy case comes in. Jeopardy Productions, Inc., produces the famous trivia game show that we all know and love. It was essentially only in California, though. That's where it did all of its stuff. That's where it recorded its show. It had its bank accounts, did its licensing activity, etc. You see, it licensed its shows to CBS, and it also licensed its trademarks to a gaming company for use in like slot machines or casinos and also licensed those trademarks to some merchandise companies. But it was up to these third parties to figure out what to do with their licenses. Jeopardy just wasn't involved. Well, evidently, these licensees did quite a bit of stuff with those licenses in Louisiana. And as a result, the state came after Jeopardy with a tax collection suit. I don't think it was a Jeopardy assessment, but that would have been kind of funny to have a Jeopardy assessment against Jeopardy. So what did Jeopardy argue? Well, they argued that under the Due Process Clause of the Constitution, the state court lacked personal jurisdiction over them, and so they couldn't be brought into Louisiana court. You see, Louisiana has a long-arm statute that says that it can assert personal jurisdiction to the fullest limits allowed by constitutional due process. So what does due process require? Well, due process requires certain minimum contacts with the forum state, such that, and I'm going to be quoting an old case here, International Shoe, such that maintaining a suit against the defendant does not offend traditional notions of fair play and substantial justice. The due process clause analysis is really kind of a two-part analysis, but we're just going to focus on the first prong relating to minimum contacts. And that minimum contacts prong is satisfied by a single act or actions where the defendant, and here's a quote again, purposely avails itself of the privilege of conducting activities within the forum state, thus invoking the benefits and protections of its laws. And what the courts have basically said is that this means that the defendant must reasonably 
anticipate being hailed into the court in the forum state. And the courts say that this purposeful availment requirement is so that the defendants are not brought into jurisdiction. And here is the key quote here. As a result of random, fortuitous, or attenuated contact, and here's really the key part for Jeopardy, or by the unilateral activity of another party or a third person. The court also talked about the difference between specific and general jurisdiction. Today, we're just going to be focusing on specific jurisdiction. So the court said that Jeopardy did not have sufficient contacts with Louisiana for jurisdiction. As the court put it, Jeopardy had zero contact with Louisiana aside from these activities of these unrelated third parties. Those third parties made the decisions to distribute and market in Louisiana, and Jeopardy just owned the intellectual property and had no intentional or direct contact, or I guess you could say purposeful availment, of Louisiana. Now, my Civ Pro experts out there are probably nodding off to sleep. Not the most interesting case for them, but it should be for us salt folk. Think about how the Commerce Clause Nexus standard has just taken a beating with Wayfair and with the rise of economic and virtual presence. And also, think about how some states that use factor-based presence for income tax purposes also can get a little aggressive with sourcing sales based on activities of customers or unrelated third parties. And you can see how a company like Jeopardy Productions and many, many others may find out that the Commerce Clause protections have become a bit of a sieve. So the lesson here is don't forget about due process. We have largely ignored it over the decades, but in these times, it should definitely be in your constitutional arsenal. Most of you guys know that I have a fairly robust state and local tax legal practice. And that means my life is in constant disarray. So getting these shows out each Monday sometimes requires a fair amount of personal sacrifice, which I don't mind at all, but I do want to make sure it's worthwhile. So if you like the content, would you please share it with a friend or colleague? We have a special treat coming up part two of Women in Salt. So come back and check it out next Monday. Until then, have yourselves a great week. The State Tax Show podcast is produced by Baker and Hostetler, LLP, and is for informational purposes only. It is intended to inform our clients and other friends of the firm about current legal developments of general interest. Issues discussed should not be construed as legal advice, and listeners should not act upon the information contained in this podcast without professional counsel. In some jurisdictions, this podcast may constitute attorney advertising. The hiring of a lawyer is an important decision that should not be based solely upon advertisements. Please visit bakerlaw.com for more information about our practices and experience.